saw something on TikTok that made me feel a little better about myself. <laughs> There's a fella doing psychology messages or psychology tips, and he said that the reason that people have bad handwriting, no, I'm screwing it up already. He said that smart people have bad handwriting because their mind's always going so fast. So I officially feel like a genius because genius wow can't talk because my handwriting's horrible I think it also explains my overthinking because I want to be on the the next thought instead of the one I'm on so I'm gonna I'm gonna chew on that today I just discovered this five minutes ago all right today's reading we couldn't actually have um a name I could read this morning with the quote, it's Fedor Mikhailovich Dostevsky. I guess if I'm going to keep trying to be a public speaker with my podcast, I need to work on my how I read. Forget how my handwriting is. Anyway, his quote is, if they dare not forgive, what becomes of harmony? We may think we're being noble when we refuse to forgive ourselves for the things we did in the past. But this false humility is often another form of denial. If we truly accept the addiction is a disease we did not ask for, then we are willing to forgive ourselves. If we still think it's a matter of willpower and strength of character, then of course we won't forgive ourselves for not being strong enough or smart enough. And if we don't think well enough of ourselves to forgive, how well do we treat others? Accepting our human limitations is a major step in recovery. Now, we don't expect ourselves to be all-powerful. We've surrendered, surrendered to powerlessness and came to believe a p- higher power will help us. We don't have to do it all alone, and we don't have to be perfect. Now we can accept, forgive, and love ourselves with our faults. We can find harmony. Today I recognize I have a disease. Help, help me accept my powerlessness. Wow, when I first read the quote, I thought they were going to talk about forgiving other people. Maybe that's where my mind is at. I really appreciate how they're they're saying this. You know, forgiving ourselves is is really, really important. One of the things that I talk about all the time is my universe, you know, putting me on this path so that I could be here today and so that I can do all the things that I'm dreaming of doing that hopefully will have an impact on the the suffering gambling community and the people that it impacts. So f- I found I found my harmony in accepting that. And as I talked about doing my step work with you guys, I also released a lot of the guilt and the the negative feelings associated with my past actions when I did my step four work. In treatment, I, I hadn't really, I guess I never really identified it as forgiveness per se. I've always struggled with the fact that 
It's called a disease. I'm just probably coming around to that the last couple of years where I can frame it that way and feel okay about it. And I think it's because the way I'm independent and the way I perceive myself and the standards I, I give myself, and this, by the way, is a character defect. <laughs> um, maybe it's a strength at times, but it's also it, it's also a defect. But I've always framed it as, oh, well, saying it's a disease is an excuse. And that means I'm letting myself off my off the hook. And as I learn more about the fact that gambling wasn't my identity, it wasn't all of Bobby. It was part of Bobby and it was part of my identity and it was part of my actions. It was a behavior. It didn't make me a bad person, you know, and, and I still struggle to say it to you guys with a whole lot of confidence. I feel, I, I felt this so distinctly in a recent episode where I was comparing it to diabetes or cancer because I don't have a lot of conviction yet about this. I'm, I'm still open-minded and I love, I love this reading because I think I can grow from it. But the, I felt some sort of a, a guilt or I was already judging myself for putting it out there and, and comparing it. And I didn't use the word cancer. I don't, I don't think I ended up using it or I forced myself through it. There was this whole mind game at the time when I was comparing addiction to cancer. And the reason I struggled with it was in my mind, I thought I was insulting the people with cancer because it was almost like in my head, I was thinking, well, they really couldn't control the cancer. And I still went back on some level to us being able to control our addiction. So I guess I'm 80% there, <laughs> maybe not 100%. So I like how this reading brought it together. And and like I said, because I had the universe kind of straighten out why I was gambling and why I'm here today and and my journey, you know, because I believe that now. I think for someone who maybe isn't ready to to buy into the higher power stuff, I think that this reading could help them because it takes some of the the burden off. Granted, it says that they're surrendering their powerlessness and that that their HP will help. But even if you just, I don't know, wrote it down. What if you wrote down all the things that you wanted to hang on to and you write them down and you tear it up or burn it up or save it. I don't care, but do something. If you write them down and get them out of your system, and then they're not like bottling, bottling up your, I don't know, pathways. I'm making this up kind of as I go along, but I'm visualizing it. If we just download all of, of that stuff and just clear some room so that we know that we deserve to be loved and that there's more to it than just blame. And because hanging on to all that negative stuff is going to just set us up for, I think, for, for relapse, for being, they use the term dry drunk. And my interpretation of a dry drunk is someone who is abstaining from the behavior. However, they're still um 
showing the attributes of someone in addiction, you know, like that whole mess last week with, um, with my brother, it's not that he was using, but he was acting like a dry drunk. I don't, I don't know that he was drugging or drinking. He was just, sorry about that. I thought I would sneeze off air. Um, he was just acting like someone who was using and it really genuinely felt that way as a receiver of what he was putting out. So if we get, if we download the things that we're trying to hang on to that are holding us back and again, writing it down, videoing yourself, you know, recording yourself, doing something to help let some of that go. I think it's a good way to move forward. And I love that it says, you know, once we can accept, forgive and love ourselves, we can find with our faults, we can find harmony. And that's just it. We're not going to be perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. And whether you're an addict or anybody, you're just we're just not perfect. We weren't built to be that way. So that was I, I think that I'm going to have to reflect on that and we'll see what pops into my brain after chewing on that a little bit. I am going to do something I've never done before today. I was invited by Bernie. I can't remember what episode he was on. Somewhere maybe in the 20s. Uh, he, he invited me to a meeting to speak today. And I've never, it's funny, I didn't think about this, but Chuck had said it when I interviewed him that he had never told his whole story. And I don't think I've ever told my whole story in one sitting quite like this. In rehab, we did a, we, we did do a story, but it kind of had, we had to break it down in timelines and the counselors could kind of tear it apart. I, that's bad language because it wasn't a, a mean thing, but they dug deeper and, and you did it in front of, you know, 20 other people. It was pretty, it was pretty deep. I probably should have paid attention to someone else's story to be clued in on how the world would turn out. But anyway, um, it it was it was a different it was a different dynamic to tell it in that fashion. So today will be interesting. And I was thinking about it a couple minutes ago going, okay, you know, do I have to write an outline or notes or whatever? And because I, I often speak and then think, oh, sugar, I should have said this. I, I will make a couple bullet points. I think I'll start out chronological, but there's some peace for me knowing that whatever I'm supposed to say is what I will say because that's the way the universe will have it. And having that kind of calmness, it takes away the worry and stress, which wouldn't serve me. It's a great opportunity to meet some new people. And as I'm, I'm digging through my the classwork that I'm doing and soul searching that I'm doing, I'm coming to believe and find that they, they ask you to look for your superpower. And I believe that one of my superpowers is my journey, essentially. But also, like, the fact that I have exposure to the center, the fact that I've been an inpatient and, and been to GA meetings and that I'm mindful of other people's perspectives on recovery. I'm not, I guess if I was to say I preached and I had a foundation on one thing that I absolutely wouldn't give on, it would be 
that you're open-minded to all forms of recovery. And I think that that's one of my superpowers. You know, um, I think that other folks that have found what works for them, they're very passionate about it and it might be in different buckets. But the other, the other thing that kind of excites me is the fact that I'm outgoing and I'm a female in this environment and this is no dig on the men or anything. As you can see, I associate with a lot of men based just on my guests. I haven't had a female gambler interview yet. And it's not because we're in the minority in numbers. It's, I, I believe, the last statistic I read, and you know, you have to take them all with a grain of salt, is that gambling has kind of shifted to 52% women and 48% men. Again, I, I, I won't argue the stats with you. I'm just sharing something that I came across recently. So is it that there's less gamblers, female gamblers to interview? No. I think that women process their emotions different and, and maybe the from what I've seen and heard in the rooms and at rehab, I think that the shame and the guilt is heavier for women or maybe they process it different. But at any rate, one of my one of my abilities is to be a female in this community with a voice. So even in, in GA meetings, women definitely will speak, but the ones who are kind of introverted or proud, I don't know, proud, I don't know, there's, there's, it's just not as dominated by women, I guess. And it's not that I'm trying to dominate. It's I'm trying to let other women know that it's okay. So anyway, we will see how my talk goes. I kind of digressed a little. Go figure. We will see how that goes today. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm grateful that Bernie's given me an opportunity to share. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of my mouth. And who knows, you guys may hear more about it depending on what I uncover. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day. I will talk to you guys tonight. I will let you know how it goes. And I have to look and see where we were with step five to see if we're going to do any more work on that. You can tell I'm still a little jacked up about uh, Justin doing step four last night. So it's it's really sitting with me and I'm, I'm looking in the mirror just because we looked at step four again and I'm pretty passionate about it. And geez, we just did it 30 days ago and I'm still dialed into it because he reintroduced it a month later. And I'm sure that the answers have evolved and changed a little a month later. So that's the beauty of the steps, I guess. Oh, I know. I forgot to tell you guys something last night. I got off a little on a tangent, but the, the cool thing that I, I told you about with Justin and his approach was his open-mindedness and not trying to put it in a, in a bucket. Like he makes the 12 steps about just doing some, some soul searching almost as opposed to, you know, by the book, AA traditions, whatever the rules, like there has to be some rules in the anonymous programs, I believe to, to keep order. And I can appreciate them. And from my understanding that, like, we have to understand, these programs were built a long time ago. And just like as we're experiencing now with coronavirus, 
and we're going to have to evolve and pivot. And, and we already have, right? Like we went from in-person meetings to Zoom. So now we can see people's last names, for example. Well, the 12-step programs don't necessarily evolve that way because the, I don't want to say the politics, but I guess the structure of it, the way, at least in Gamblers Anonymous, the way I understood the structure was, you know, we'd have our group meetings at a city level and then there would be uh, inner group, which might be a state level, and then there's national conferences. And if you do it right, if there was a topic or even just to change language in the literature, you have to go to nationals. You have to present it formally, you know, and get the I second, I first, I third, you know, all that formal stuff. And I feel like it has to get voted on maybe in two meetings, if I remember correctly. There's some, and I apologize if there's people more dialed into this, but essentially there's a process. And what was happening in the chat last night when Justin was going over the steps was there was some people like, hey, what's going on with these traditions? These, These are breaking the traditions of AA. And my heart hurt for those people. And this is what I thought. And it's funny because I talked a little bit last night about behavior in recovery versus not. And I think that Justin does a really good job of acting like he's in behavior because he isn't or acting like he's in recovery and and practicing it. So instead of defending it, um, instead of even, you know, addressing it or minimizing it, it became a, a non-talk and I, there was a point, it's really so interesting when you get to this, this point of being very conscious and deliberate about everything you say and do, it's kind of like thinking before you speak, that was kind of the place I was in and I didn't, I didn't argue or, or debate or anything, that's not really my style unless I'm in a foul mood, but I did ask you know, do these traditions, because I don't know what AA's traditions actually say. I probably should get some of their literature. It'd probably be interesting. Um, but I said, do these traditions say anything about you can't keep it unless you give it away? And I don't even know if anybody responded because it goes so flipping fast in the chat. And my point is this. Justin could do nothing. I could do nothing because we're trying to stick to the rules and the guidelines and the 12-step programs. You know, the, we, we could not actively participate or not want to try to put different spins on the recovery methods so that we have positive results. We, we could do that, play by the rules, but is that serving anyone? You know, does it, what's the point of defending the traditions? It's all people run. So if the last round of nationals or whatever whatever that is that comes up with the rules and as they evolve, it's only as good as the people's opinions in those environments. And I'll tell you, and I'm not saying this as a dig, it's just something that's very, um, I'm very aware of it here from a demographic standpoint. In this community, this GA community, it's very heavily male-dominated. And then to break it down next, I would say it's even 
older men dominated. And if, if like one of the, the local, and I can't think of the word, but so let's say that the people who have time to go to a conference and I don't, I've never been to a conference, so I don't know what it's made up of. And in Kansas city, our rep was a, a female lawyer who was about, you know, about my age, maybe a little older. And then there was a man who was maybe 50, another working professional, and then a retiree woman. So we had a little bit of a mix. And it just goes against what I just said about um, the men kind of being more dominant and and GA. I guess that's location to location because Kansas City, we did have a nice female representation, although still not as big as the men. But anyway, where I'm going with this is, so let's say that the people who have time and resources to go to a conference to make these decisions, let's say the demographic works out to be a lot of retirees or, you know, people who have time. So if they go, and I'm not saying anything bad about retirees, but I'm, I'm trying to say that they're going to have one kind of thinking when it comes to um, recovery. So if, if I took somebody who wasn't working versus me who's trying to work two jobs and go to class and whatever, we're going to have different amounts of time available to us. We're going to have different skill sets and relationships to people and technology. So how that vote may go two different ways. We could be on two totally different ends of the spectrum. And that's completely fine. However, at the end of the day, if we hang our hats on those rules decided by whoever... And in, in Casey, they did a really good job of coming back to groups and asking us for our input. So I'm not, I'm not even saying that it's just one person. But it's only as good as, as the process. And it's, it's very subjective, the rules. So why not just be, why not take the label off of it? You know, yes, it's the 12 steps. Yes, I personally believe that if you work the steps, it'll make you a better human being, no matter what you're addiction is or if you don't have one I believe that so who cares if it like there's no AA police that come after you to say you're breaking the traditions and I really don't think that those who are living a recovery that is geared towards all the steps including step 12 where you're carrying that message. That's what that's what the heart of that one is. Carrying the message to the other people who suffer. Not carrying it in a way that is following the rules, blah, blah, blah. It's carrying the message. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because it was bothering me last night. And after I hit stop, it occurred to me, I forgot to tell you. So kudos for anybody who's carrying the message. No matter what style you approach you take to carry that message as long as you're trying and you're doing it with a good heart and trying to do good and not harm and letting people make up their own minds you know I I love that you know Justin did address some people may not like his step work on his you know he's on the same platform as his music and he's like well if you came for a song come back on a different night when I'm playing music. Tonight's my recovery night. Like, 
that was so badass. He wasn't being, you know, a jerk about it. It was just, okay, if this isn't your cup of tea, you don't really have to be here. And he put his recovery first. And he did it in a way that was kind. And he still wants to help other people. So I just thought there was some beauty in that. And, you know, I'm, I don't know. I just, I love his approach and his style. And I can't wait to get as sassy and badass as him because he's really, he just, he just makes me smile and makes me happy. And he's bold and authentic. And he just really doesn't give a shit what people think. And I still struggle with that a little. So when I grow up, I want to be like Justin. I, now I don't want to sing. And I don't think anybody can compare to his voice anyway, because I'm just starting to really understand how magical his voice is the more I listen to him. Okay, ran over. Long episode. Happy Wednesday. All right, gang. Enjoy your day. Let you know how my talk goes. And you're well understood.